doing a series of lessons entitled Life by the Book. And believing that the Bible is God's instruction manual, His blueprint for our lives, the manufacturer's directions for how life is best lived. So far, we have discovered what the Bible says about salvation, what the Bible says about service, what the Bible says about God's will, what the Bible says about prayer, what the Bible says about friendship, what the Bible says about unanswered prayer, what the Bible says about unity, and then last week, what the Bible says about the Bible. Well, that brings us to today's lesson. What the Bible says about heaven. Somebody knew I was going to be uh, talking on this this morning about heaven, and so I got a couple emails actually this last week, but I, I chose this one. I had to share this one with you. It's pretty good. This 85-year-old couple, having been married almost 60 years, had died in a car crash. They'd been in good health the last 10 years, mainly due to her interest in health food and exercise. When they reached the pearly gates, St. Peter took them to their mansion, which was decked out with a beautiful kitchen, a master bedroom suite, and a jacuzzi. And as they oohed and awed, the old man asked Peter, how much is all this going to cost? It's free, Peter replied. This is heaven. Next, they went out to survey the championship golf course that the home backed up to. They would have golfing privileges every day, and each week the course changed to a new one, representing all the great golf courses on the earth. The old man asked, How much are the green fees? Peter's reply, This is heaven. You play for free. Next, they went to the clubhouse, saw the lavish buffet lunch with the cuisines of the world laid out. Well, how much is it to eat? asked the old man. Don't you understand yet? This is heaven. It's free, Peter replied with some exasperation. Well, then where are the low-fat and low-cholesterol tables? the man asked timidly. Peter lectured. That's the best part. You can eat as much as you like or whatever you like and you never get fat and you never get sick. This is heaven. And with that, the old man went into a fit of anger throwing his hat down and stomping on it and shrieking about wildly. Peter and his wife both tried to calm him down asking him what was wrong. The old man looked at his wife and said, This is all your fault. I would have been here ten years ago if it wasn't for your blasted bran muffins. (laughs) I saw that. I thought that was pretty good. I had to share that one with you today. (laughs) Seriously, the songwriter penned these words that we sang just a moment ago. Surrounded by your glory. What will my heart feel? Will I dance for you, Jesus, or in awe of you be still? Will I stand in your presence? Or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. I can only imagine. Well, the Bible feeds our imagination a bit by giving us a glimpse of the new heaven and earth, the holy city, the new Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but it's enough to give me some goosebumps. 
Follow along in your Bible as I read some verses from today's text, Revelation 21 and 22. We'll pick a few verses out here. Starting in chapter 21, verse 1, John writes, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven, the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Now the dwelling of God is with men and He will live with them. They will be His people and God Himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Skip down to verse 9. One of the seven angels who had the seven bowls full of the last seven last plagues came and said to me, Come! I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. And He carried me away in the Spirit to a mountain great and high and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down out of heaven from God. It shone with the glory of God and its brilliance was like that of a very precious jewel, like a jasper, clear as crystal. It had a great high wall with twelve gates and with twelve angels at the gates. And on the gates were written the names of the twelve tribes of Israel. There were three gates on the east, three on the north, three on the south, and three on the west. The wall of the city had twelve foundations, and on them were the names of the twelve apostles of the Lamb. Down to verse 18. The wall was made of jasper, the city of pure gold, as pure as glass. The foundations of the city walls were decorated with every kind of precious Stone. Then it goes on and it tells you what stones there were. If you go down to verse 21, it says the twelve gates were twelve pearls, each gate made of a single pearl. The great street of the city was a pure gold like transparent glass. I did not see a temple in the city because the Lord God Almighty, the Lamb, are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine upon it, for the glory of God gives it its light, and the Lamb is its light. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their splendor into it. On no day will its gates ever be shut for there will be no night there. The glory and honor of the nations will be brought into it. Down to chapter 22, verse 1. The angel showed me the river of the water of life as clear as crystal flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb down the middle of the great street of the city. On each side of the river stood the tree of life bearing twelve crops of fruit yielding its fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. The throne of God and of the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will serve Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. There will be no more night. They will not need the light of a lamp or the light of the sun, for the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. (laughs) I I don't know how John could have even put into words the vision that he had seen here. I think he's trying to describe something that is for us really indescribable and incomparable. I think it's good for us once in a while to read those verses just to remind us what's in store. Life by the book. This morning, as we take a closer look at what the Bible says about heaven, I want you to note with me just seven wonderful blessings. And so let's read this verse out loud together. 
and see what Peter has to say about these blessings. He says, We hope for the blessings God has for His children, these blessings which cannot be destroyed or be spoiled or lose their beauty, are kept in heaven for you. <laughs> don't, don't miss that. For you, these blessings. Life, by the book, what the Bible says about heaven. Seven wonderful blessings. <clears throat> and there's, there's more, but I just chose seven of them that are in store for us in heaven. Number one is the blessing of redemption. The blessing of redemption. It's a great word. Revelation 22 verse 3 reminds us, no longer will there be any curse. Romans 8 verses 19 through 23 tells us that all of creation right now waits in eager expectation, is groaning as in the pains of childbirth for the day that it will be liberated from its bondage to decay. It's waiting for that day of redemption. You see, right now we're living under a curse. The curse of sin is brought upon this world, this creation that God has made. Decay and disease and evil and suffering and even death. But that's not the way God designed it to be. Please understand that. That's not how God intended it to be in the very beginning. But there is a day of redemption that is coming when all will be restored to order once again. You see, when Jesus comes again, God's plan of redemption will be complete. Everything will be as it was intended to be at the very beginning in creation. Revelation 21 verse 4 tells us there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Isaiah 11, verses 6-8, through paints this incredible picture. Look at this. It says, Leopards will lie down with young goats and wolves will rest with lambs. Calves and lions will eat together and be cared for by little children. Cows and bears will share the same pasture. Their young will rest side by side. Lions and oxen will both eat straw, not you. <laughs> little children will play near snake holes. They will stick their hands into the dens of poisonous snakes and never be hurt. We go, that's not the way things are. No, it's not the way things are because the curse of sin has ruined that. But when all things are restored, when the day of redemption comes, everything will be as God designed it to be in harmony. It's even hard for us to imagine that. But first, heaven includes this blessing of redemption. Number two is the blessing of rest. Rest. Would you read Revelation 14, verse 13 out loud with me? Let's read this together. Blessed are the dead who die in the Lord. They will rest from their labor. Isn't that a nice word, rest? <laughs> I like that word. Writer of Hebrews put it this way, Hebrews 4, verses 9 through 11. So there's a full, complete rest waiting for the people of God. Christ has already entered there. He is resting from His work just as God did after creation. Let us do our best to go into that place of rest too. So let me ask you this morning. How many of you are tired? Let me see your hands. Anybody? <laughs> okay. Hands down. How many of you are retired? Yeah. <laughs> That's an interesting word, retired. You ever start, start to start to think about that word? Re, meaning again, and tired, meaning weary or exhausted. 
It means you're tired all over again <laughs> when you're retired. <laughs> On his radio program, Insight for Living, Chuck Swindoll shared this illustration. Yes, I'm tired. For several years, I've been blaming it on old age, iron-poor blood, lack of vitamins, air pollution, water pollution, saccharin, obesity, dieting, underarm odor, yellow wax buildup, and a dozen other maladies that make you wonder if life is worth living. But now I find out, taint that. I'm tired because I'm overworked. The population of this country is roughly 300 million. Some 110 million are retired. <laughs> That leaves 190 million of us to do the work. There are 90 million in school, which leaves 100 million to do the work. But 44 million of those are employed by the federal government, which leaves only 56 million to do the work. 8 million are in the armed forces, leaving 48 million to do the work. Take from that the 47,800,000 who work for the state and city governments. That leaves 200,000 of us to do the work. There are 188,000 in hospitals. That leaves 12,000 to do the work. There are 11,998 people in prison. That leaves two people to do the work, you and me, and you're sitting there listening to this. No wonder I'm tired. <laughs> I heard that. I thought that was so good. The blessing of rest. Good blessing. Number three is the blessing of reward. The blessing of reward. Did you know that there are actually two major judgments mentioned in the Bible? First, there's the great white throne judgment, the separation of the sheep and the goats, the saved and the lost, if you will. Actually, those of us who know Christ... In essence, don't even have to go through that judgment because the judgment has already been made. We're saved, right? But there's a second judgment called the Bema judgment that all of us as believers have to go through. It's the judgment of works and deeds. As Paul put it in 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 10, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 13. We're told there's going to come a time of testing at Christ's judgment day. Everyone's work will be put through the fire so that all can see whether or not it keeps its value and what was really... Accomplished. It's going to be t- our works, our deeds, our service for God is going to be tested to see if it was real or not. Now, of course, if we're faithful, we have the hope. In fact, we have the assurance. We have the expectation of reward for our service and deeds. Perhaps Paul put it best, 2 Timothy 4, verses 7 and 8. I have fought well. I have finished the race and I have been faithful. So I will be rewarded with a crown for pleasing the Lord. He judges fairly, and on the day of judgment He will give a crown not only to me, but to everyone else who delights in His coming. And as we read earlier, 1 Peter 1 and verse 4 speaks of the inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. Our Heavenly Father has an inheritance (laughs) waiting for us, a reward to give us for our faithfulness to Him. And this reward will be ours to enjoy forever. And so third, heaven includes a blessing of reward. Number four is the blessing of resurrection. 
the blessing of resurrection. Let's read uh, Jesus' words out loud together here in John 11, verse 25. Read it with me. I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in Me will live even though He dies. Isn't that a great promise? Jesus is promising us here resurrection life. Because He conquered sin and Satan by His own resurrection from the dead, so we too, even if we die, will share resurrection life with Him forever in heaven. What a blessing that will be. Paul speaks of our resurrection bodies in a couple of places in the New Testament. 1 Corinthians 15, verses 51 through 53, I'm telling you this strange and wonderful secret. We shall not all die, but we shall all be given new bodies. It will happen in a moment in the twinkling of an eye when the last trumpet is blown. For there will be a trumpet blast from the sky and all the Christians who have died will suddenly become alive with new bodies that will never, never die. And then we who are still alive shall suddenly have new bodies too. For our earthly bodies, the ones we have now that can die, must be transformed into heavenly bodies that cannot perish but will live forever. Philippians 3, verses 20 and 21, Paul says, Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables Him to bring everything under His control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like His glorious body. I don't know about you. Man, I am looking forward to the trade-in. <laughs> and the older I get, and the more aches and pains I find, the more I look forward. So fourth, heaven includes the blessing of resurrection. Number five is the blessing of reunion. The blessing of reunion. Whenever I talk about heaven, inevitably somebody will always ask me, will we know and recognize one another in heaven? And I believe that although we will have a new immortal resurrection body, there's a great amount of evidence in Scripture that we will indeed know one another. I think about Moses and Elijah who stood on the Mount of Transfiguration with Jesus. Remember that story? How'd they know they were Moses and Elijah? <laughs> there was recognition there, wasn't there? When the rich man died and went to Hades and Lazarus the beggar, remember? <laughs> went to paradise and there was that gulf fixed between... There was recognition, wasn't there? We're, we're, we're going to know each other, folks, I think. Paul tried to encourage the Christ followers in Thessalonica about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 through 18. We've got to read these verses out loud together. They're so important. Read them with me, would you? The Lord Himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. And those who have died believing in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive will be gathered up with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. We're not only going to be with Jesus, we're going to be, notice it said, with them. With them who? The, the people who have gone before, the saints who have gone before us. In other words, it is going to be a grand reunion time with family and friends, all the saints who have gone on before. So fifth, heaven includes the blessing of reunion. Number six is the blessing of rejoicing. The blessing of rejoicing. 
Both Revelation 7, 16 and 17 and 21 and verse 4 assure us that God will wipe away every tear. There will be no more mourning or crying. Simply put, heaven will be a place of indescribable and incomparable joy. The prophet Isaiah elaborates even further. Isaiah 65 Verses 17 through 19. Behold, I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered. By the way, don't miss that phrase. You wouldn't believe how many times I've come to that phrase over the years for people. Because people will say, Well, when we get to heaven, how are we going to be how are we going to have full be full of joy when we have all these memories of the things that happened to us on earth, the struggles we went through and the sorrows and the trials and the cares? And I said, You're not going to have those. They'll be remembered no more. God will somehow miraculously erase the memory bank (laughs) for us. Nor will they come to mind. But be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and His people a joy. The sound of weeping and crying will be no more. Boy, hang on to that promise. It's going to be a place of rejoicing. Earlier we sang that song. When we all get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that will be. When we all see Jesus, we'll sing and shout the victory. So sixth heaven includes the blessing of rejoicing. And then finally, number seven, is the blessing of rain. R-E-I-G-N. Rain. This is one sometimes we leave off the list, but we shouldn't. Paul promises in 2 Timothy 2 and verse 12, we will also reign with Him, with Jesus. Revelation 22 verse 5 that we read earlier, we will reign forever and ever. See, this is God's promise of vindication for the righteous. This is the promised blessing of our ultimate triumph. We are on the winning side. (laughs) That's already been decided. You know, it's kind of like picking up a a book and in the early parts of the book, the bad guy has got the upper hand and the good guy is always getting the, you know, the, the bad stuff happening. You're going, I don't like this book. So what do you do? You cheat. You go to the end. <laughs> and you read the last chapter. And you know the, the good guys vindicate and you're going, yeah, now you can read the whole book with a whole different perspective, can't you? It's the same with life. We know what the end of the story is like. It's already been decided. The final chapter has already been written and we are victorious. Amen. Yeah. We will reign with Him in all His glory and majesty and honor and power. It's going to be incredible. So heaven includes this blessing of rain. Life, by the way, this morning we have taken a closer look at what the Bible says about heaven. And we've noticed seven, I think, wonderful blessings that God has in store for us when we get to heaven. The blessing of redemption, the blessing of rest, The blessing of reward, the blessing of resurrection, the blessing of reunion, the blessing of rejoicing, and the blessing of rain. Let me tell you, the blessings of heaven are going to make life's journey worth it all. We need to keep a heavenly perspective. We need to keep our eyes on the prize. We need to focus on our final destination. We need to have confidence that this hope is ours forever. Now, I want to shift gears a little bit as we close. In fact, you'll, you'll see it there in your notes. I want to conclude today's lesson with a riddle for you, okay? Here's the riddle. What is the distance 
between heaven and hell? Any idea? What's the difference between heaven and hell? It's about 18 inches. Some of you are looking at me like, did I have a screw loose someplace? No, it's true. It's about 18 inches. It's the distance from here to here. Follow me on this. There are so many people who get it up here in their head. They understand. They, they believe. There's an intellectual assent to the Gospel and the good news of Jesus Christ. They, they, they believe that if you ask them, you'll... In fact, did you know that 78% of all Americans, when you ask them the question, do you think you're going to heaven, will answer yes? Are 78% of Americans going to heaven? No. How do I know that? Because in Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, Jesus Himself said, Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, hell, and many enter through it. But small is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, heaven, and only a few find it. Does does that bother you? That Scripture's always been troublesome. The majority aren't going to heaven. That's what that says. The vast majority of people are going to hell, are going to destruction. They are going down that Broadway. They've gone through the wide gate that leads to destruction. Many, it says, enter through that gate. Only a few enter through the small gate and walk the narrow way. Which brings me back to the riddle. What's the distance between heaven and hell? About 18 inches. It's the distance from your head to your heart. And folks, all I'm trying to say here at the end of this message about heaven is we can talk about all the blessings of heaven, but the reality is there's not going to be a lot of people enjoying those blessings. Why? Because the knowledge of Jesus Christ has never gotten from their head to their heart. Does that make sense? Well, Paul put it this way. Romans chapter 10. Look at it with me. Who will go up to heaven? Who will descend into hell? If in your head and with your mouth you say Jesus is Lord and in your heart believe that God raised Him from death, you will be saved. Yes, ultimately, we must believe in Jesus deep in our hearts in order to be made right with God. It's got to make that transformation from our head to our heart. And my plea, my plea has always been to people, whatever you do, don't miss heaven by 18 inches. Don't, don't do that to yourself. Yeah, you may believe, you may in your head say yes, but if you've never said yes in your heart, if you've never truly embraced Jesus Christ is the forgiver and the leader of your life. If you have not thrown yourself on the grace and the mercy of God and the finished work of the cross that Jesus did for you, you can do that. It's your choice. That's 